You still got it, Stan. God bless you. Amen. Thanks for all the people, the band, and all the people who played, and the choir, and everything that works and makes that possible. Uh, sometimes we come in here, we just kind of take it for granted, don't we? And uh, uh, they put a lot of work in it, and we really appreciate it. I got a letter from a guy named Moses, and uh, I think he's fairly old, 84, I think he said, John Moses. And uh, he said, uh, you could use suspenders, that would help you. <laughs> I said, yeah, <laughs> Dan. <laughs> Do you love your children? I talk about uh, rightly dividing life and things like that a lot of times. But I want to talk about our young people today, if I could. And uh, what's going on is a real... Uh, tragedy uh, that could have been prevented and you'll see why as we go through that. There are a lot of churches they have children's and youth ministries where parents, they believe the key is the church in helping the kid to spiritually understand the word of God. But statistics show that something is not working and uh, a research was done by Vadi uh, Bachman, and uh, he's a black evangelist, pastor, tremendous man. And he said this, 70 to 88% of Christian teens are, living, are leaving the church after they're beginning their second year of college. 70 to 88%. That means that because of the professors that they encounter, they don't have the ability to be able to defend what they believe. And the easiest thing to do is just kind of give up and go the other way. And so a large group of Christian teens are leaving the college not believing in the truth. Over 80% who claim faith in Christ, they say they've been saved, born again, don't believe in the existence of absolute truth. Isn't that amazing? 80% of young people. And I say, what's wrong with the word of God? You can't prove it wrong. I don't care. Somebody might say they can, but show us. And uh, the Bible says, thy word is truth. Just that simple. And then uh, Barna he did a survey of young Christians, and he said this, 63% don't believe Jesus is the son of the one true God. I remember at Jesus' baptism, the voice came from the Father, this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. Amen. He that hath the Son hath life, and he that hath not the Son of God hath not life. It's real simple, isn't it? He said, Barna, 58% believe all faiths teach equally valid truth. I said, do they? All, all of them? I thought Jesus said, I'm the only way. I'm the truth. No man gets to the Father but by me. That's what Christ said. 
Some of these others, they speak on universal salvation. Everybody's going to be saved ultimately. Idols of other gods, no hell, no genders, reincarnation, other and another gospel. Let me just say to you, Paul said this, if any man preach any of the gospel, then the one I've given you, the death, burial, and resurrection of Christ, let him be accursed. There's only one true gospel that saves today. Then they said 51% don't believe Jesus rose from the dead. I said, really? As we learned last week, over 500 people saw him alive after his death. Think that through. And then what about the gospel? The gospel is the death, burial, resurrection of Jesus Christ. And without the resurrection, there'd be no gospel. We're all still in our sins. We're going to hell. Can't do anything about it. But that's not true. Christ did arise, and he's alive. 65% don't believe Satan is a real entity. Well, Jesus said to the Pharisees, false religion, ye of your father the devil. Paul says, neither give place to the devil. Isn't that interesting? He says, put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand, you know, the things, the wiles of the devil, the trickery, the traps of the devil. I believe that if you don't believe that there's a Satan, just visit my house on Saturday evenings, try, me trying to prepare my message going into Sunday. Uh, he's real. Steve Wright of Rethink, a student ministries, he said this, 68% of our young people don't believe the Holy Spirit exists. What a dishonor to the Godhead. <laughs> the Bible says this in Ephesians 1.13, in whom ye also trusted after that ye heard the word of truth, the gospel, death, burial, and resurrection of Christ, of your salvation, in whom also after that ye believed that gospel, you were sealed with that holy Spirit of promise. Huh? He's there and he's alive and he's well. He lives inside of us. And by the way, 1 John 5, 7 says this here. For there are three that bear record in heaven, the Father, the Word. Who's the Word? Christ and the Holy Ghost. And these three are one. You can't have one without the other. Huh? Just that simple. So the question is, why is the church the place where parents expect their kids to get most of their spiritual understanding? I found this interesting as I studied this. A lot of parents think getting their kids to church fulfills their spiritual responsibility of Proverbs 22.6. Train up a child in the way he should go, and when he is old, he will not depart from it. They say, man, I get him to church. Church will take care of it. I'm faithful at it, and they allow the church to be responsible for their kids. Then there are a lot of churches, they believe being bigger, having better programs for their kids, that will attract families resulting in learning God's word. Just because you're big doesn't mean you learn 
the word of God, and it doesn't mean, because a lot of them don't preach the word of God, and especially rightly dividing, amen? They don't. And when they say that, that's a satanic, deceptive lie, and it weakens the truth, and it weakens the home. The church is becoming like a child daycare where the parents, they think that, you know, let's take the kids there, drop them off, and we can focus on what we would like to do ourselves. Amen? And uh, they have that mentality, uh, let's just save time, let's take them to the pros. The church are full of pros. I haven't found one yet. Amen? Including me. The truth is, the church is to be the parents' number one support for their kids' spiritual understanding. But God has chosen parents to be the mentors, the influences in the home. It's the parents, whether you're husband and wife or you're a single parent. It's the parents' responsibility to do the majority of the depth of answering your children's questions so that they will be ready when it's called upon to give an answer. Amen? Got quiet. Genesis 18, 19. For I know him that he will, about Abraham, he will command his children and his household after him, and they shall keep the way of the Lord and do justice and judgment that the Lord may bring upon Abraham that which he hath spoken of him. Proverbs 6, verse 20. My son, keep thy father's commandment and forsake not the law of thy mother. Bind them continually upon thy heart and tie them about thy neck. When thou goest, it shall lead thee what they've taught you. When thou sleepest, it shall keep thee. And when thou awakest, it shall talk with thee. That's great truth right there about parents and their children. Paul says it like this, Ephesians 6.1, Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor thy father and mother, which is the first commandment with promise. And here's the promise, that it may be well with thee, and thou mayest live long on the earth. In other words, the parent says, I'm going to kill you. <laughs> and ye fathers provoke not your children to wrath, but bring them up, fathers, listen, up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord in their mind, in their heart, in their life. That's the parent's responsibility. A study uh, by Search Institute did a study on young Christians' grades, 7th grade through 12th grade, from junior high through high school. And they asked him this question, who is the most significant religious influence in your life? And the answers were this, number one, Mom, number two, dad, number three, grandparent, 
four, another relative, five siblings, six friends, seven, the senior pastor, eight, church camp, 13th, youth leader. But what this list shows and provides for us, these results support God's plan. The first people in line to teach, train, and have them live for Christ is mom and dad. Even if you're a single parent, it's mom and dad and the home. That's the critical issue. So today's statistics showing 80% plus leaving the church after graduation, it begs the question, is it the church that's failing to equip the kids or is there another issue? Huh? I believe there is. Understand, the church has the least amount of spiritual time and influence on kids. A study was done. Kids' time away from home, 59 hours in a week. School, 40 hours. Activities with others, 16 hours, like sports, tech, media, school activities, so on. Time spent at church, three hours. Then there's time at home, 109 hours. That makes 168 hours total, 109 hours. Sleeping, 56 hours. TV and media, 28 hours. Time alone, 10 hours. They play their tech games and play other things. Family conversation, three hours. That goes along with the church, three hours. The family, three hours. And miscellaneous, 12 hours. The church has three to four hours of influence, but parents have up to 40 to 50 hours per week with their kids. I believe that's one of the main reasons that homeschooling is so effective because there's a parent that's spending time with their children day in and night out. I mean, it's just a fact. A study of kids and the time spent on various activities, a staggering result was to see that household conversation was in 19th place out of 21. 19. So yes, the church is a vital part of families and their spiritual growth. But the church is not the primary influence. The home is. The church is not the primary influence. The home is. It's the home that influences their kids' conversion. That has to do with their soul. They introduced the gospel. How have we done with that? Parents never forget that. Our daughter Jenny sent us a letter here recently and thanked us for some things and mentioned it was her spiritual birthday when she came and asked us what she needed. She wanted to be saved. And she was saved. And she was so grateful 
for that time that she cried out to God in faith. And so that means something in a parent's heart when it happens before your very eyes. It's the home that influences the kids' conformity. That has to do with their influence. Will they be as the world, the media, education, government tells them to be? Or will they be God's testimony to influence others to Christ and his word? Romans 12, too, you know it well. And be not conformed. Don't allow you to be molded to this world. But be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind, that's through the word of God, that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. You, as a parent, want to drive that your kids will make a decision that it's Christ who is the priority of their life. It's their home that influences their kids' chastity. That is what they will do with their body. Will they be low life, loose, easily controlled by their flesh? Or will they stand up and be a Joseph? with a woman hanging all over him, trying to seduce him. And he pushes her away and said, how can I do this thing and sin against my God? And took off running. Amen. He knew what to do, didn't he? It's the home that influences their kids' calling. That's what they will do with their life. Will they seek the world's fame, form, uh, uh, fortune, fun, the flesh. Sounds like the prodigal son, doesn't it? Or allow God to fulfill his purpose in and through them. Trust in the Lord with all thine heart. Lean not unto thine own understanding. In all thy ways acknowledge him, and he shall direct thy paths. He has a plan. He has a purpose. He has a journey specifically individually for each one of us. That's where God wants us to go. Every kid will face these crises decisions about their soul, their influence, their body, and their life. And most always their decision is determined by how much their parents were spiritually and physically involved in their life or uninvolved in their life. I say coming down the stretch here, pull my pants up again for John Moses. <laughs> Number one, your kids' children belong to God and not to the state. And the state is trying to take control of our kids today. You need to stand up and fight that. Just don't simply just allow them to have them. What are they doing? What are they saying? What are they teaching? You need to know that. So if they're not doing right, you try to say something in a gracious Christian way. They don't listen. You make other plans. That's a good parent. Amen? Psalm 127, verse 3. Low children are an heritage of the Lord, 
and the fruit of the womb is his reward. They belong to God, not the state. Two, God lends us our kids and he expects us to be responsible for their education. We're the responsible ones about that. I don't care what the school is offering, all these big things or whatever. What about God? The Bible says this, a great principle like uh, Ephesians 6, 4, Deuteronomy says this, and these words which I command thee this day shall be in thine heart, and thou shalt teach them, your children, diligently unto thy children, and shalt talk of them when thou sittest in thine house, and when thou walkest by the way, and when thou liest down, and when thou risest up. That means that it's my responsibility to remind my kids of the things of God continually. That's our responsibility. Number three, secular societies, academia, almost all of them, not all because there are a few wonderful teachers, but mostly today excludes God, prayer, creation, godly morality, God's word and principles, absoluteness, true justice, true history, even patriotism. They exclude those things. And the awful thing is they have our kids most of the time. Our kids are constantly bombarded, bombarded, this, that, everything that we stand against so often. And we just keep taking them there. Something needs to, somebody needs to stand up and say, no, 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 you don't. Get involved with your board. Whatever you have to do to try to prevent this garbage from going on. Amen? It's time that parents, they need to stand up and give their children time. <laughs> time to stand for them, time to be with them. Psalm 14 verse 1 says this about these people. The fool hath said in his heart, there is no God. They are corrupt. They have done abominable works. There is none that doeth good. Hello? They might seem nice, have a good personality, but if they're teaching wrong, they need to be encountered some way. Proverbs 1.7, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, but fools despise wisdom and instruction. You can't have wisdom without God. The wisdom of this world is foolishness to God. Hello? Then education must, be, must meet the needs of the whole person. We're to be like Christ, right? That's what Christ wants from us. Luke 2.52, and I'm about done. And Jesus increased in wisdom 
and stature and in favor with God and man. Now there, Christ humanly, not his godness, in his humanity increased and grew. It says in wisdom, that's mentally, his mind, his knowledge. He learned to put God's academic truth inside of him. No doubt he had to do normal, common, ordinary things in his life. Yes, but he always had a biblical viewpoint. Whether it's anthropology, science, geology, math, biology, right and wrong, you always have to come down on God's side and what he says in his word. And stature, it says. That's physically. There's a mentally, there's a physically. You know, I don't think Jesus was just a little short runt Jewish boy. I think he was bigger. You know, they had to enlarge the size in the tomb to be able to lay Jesus down. And I saw the empty tomb, and you see where they had cut some out. So he must have been a larger person. I know this. He walked everywhere he went. And if you've ever been in Jerusalem, that, that's hard work. But the point is, he was active. And our kids, they need to be active. They need to sweat. Amen? Have chores. Work. Play sports if you can. But do something bad, men, I don't care. But you need to sweat in your life. Not lazy or a couch potato. Amen? Need to be actively involved. And then it states, in favor with God. This is spiritually. Spiritually. That's when you put the word of God in your heart, in your soul, in your relationship with God. And it's something how the word of God works in you. We don't put it in there enough, by the way. Notice these little verses, Psalm 119, verse 9. Wherewithal shall a young man cleanse his way by taking heed thereto according to thy word? Verse 11. Thy word have I hid in my heart. Why? That I might not sin. It helps prevent us from sinning. Verse 98. Thou through thy commandments hast made me wiser than mine enemies, for they are ever with me. I have more understanding than all my teachers, for thy testimonies are my meditation. Yeah, that's pretty good, isn't it? And then 130. The entrance of thy words giveth light. It giveth understanding unto me. <laughs> the simple. <laughs> Amen. Just put the word of God in you. Luke 2.52 again, and it says in favor with God and with man. That's with people in society. It's your contacts with, contact with others, your relationships, but always having a biblical view. So I say this. 
education. The church can help, but it's the home's responsibility to do their best to provide the things of God for their children and not only provide those things for the kids, but be those things before them in your testimony. Amen? Now, if you do these things, it's not foolproof. And we understand that. We have a sin nature. And kids brought up in the same household, some live for God, some don't live for God. Cain and Abel, Jacob and Esau, Carol Davis and Jim Debney. I mean, it's just, it's an amazing thing. But when you put these things into their life in your home, the percentage rises up to help the kids to remain true to the faith. It means that my child, when they're encountered, when they're attacked because they say they're a Christian or a believer, they have an answer of the hope that is in them. Amen. Somewhere along the line, we're dropping the ball. As a church, we need to rethink some things so we can teach our young people even them what the Word of God says when somebody asks you this question, this is the answer. Real simple. But we get busy with doing programs and trying to invite everybody in. We want to invite everybody in. I understand all of that. But we need to disciple our own people who are with us at the moment. And I hope God will allow us to do that. I'm a poor example. To use, but Carol and I, when we first had an encounter with in a public school situation, and there were bullies and stuff, and my son Jamie was going there, it was affecting him. So we prayed to God. Uh, Dr. Ben said, make a list of the things that are good, the things that are bad. All the good things was financially for Carol to keep working. But the good things was the fact that we needed to spend more time with our kids and have family, a home together. She quit work. I was just a student at school. I'd get a little job in concrete and prayed for the mailman a whole lot. <laughs> Somebody would send us something. But we started the process that our kids were our priority. And as a result of that, God worked an open door. We sent them to a Christian school. We were grateful for that. We come home. We started Emmanuel. 14 of us at the first service. 17, 14 were candidates <laughs> to be members of the church. And still, even at that time, we put our kids in Christian education because we believed what was being taught was contrary to what God says they should be taught. 
not to make them a recluse or exclude them from life, but to be able to create wisdom because they're going to be on their own soon enough. I mean, financially, the first seven years, the church didn't pay us enough. I had to work concrete on the side and glad to, but I was sure glad when they started paying me enough to live. And we continued. Sometimes, or many times, I'd bring my check home, we take out $125, and the rest went to education. From graduating from junior high, graduating from high school, they went to Bethesda. Then Jenny went to a business college for a year. Jamie went to Bob Jones for one year, and then we transferred him to Cedarville. And those educations have been invaluable to my kids. Was it difficult? <laughs> but are they worth it? Amen. I think my kids are worth it. I don't know about your kids, but you should sense and feel they're worth it. And do whatever you have to do to get this thing right. 40 hours a week to have our kids. You need to stand up and say something to them. They don't even know what a girl is. God, boy, what wisdom. Talk to me. Amen, thank you. I mean, it's crazy what's going on. But God forbid you should bow your head and pray. God forbid that you would say you love the Lord. God forbid if you brought your Bible. God forbid if you'd mention God, creation, sin, and righteousness, and living a holy life, having morality. God forbid. And I say to them, well, wait a minute. You're not part of my life. I'm gone. If I can't get on the board and change things, I'm gone. I'm preaching to myself right now. And you did good, Jim. Uh, the key, the church can help. And we love your kids. We love you. And we want to do our best in teaching the Word of God. We really do. And we want your kids to make it. I mean, we do, but they won't make it without you. Now, there might be one or two here or there. I understand that. But the majority will fail if not you involved. So I want to just challenge you as a mom, a dad, a grandparent. You need to be involved in your kids' lives and point them to the things of God. Just that simple. Father, we love you. Thank you for your word. Thank you for the privilege we have uh, to have a church, to try to help people. But Lord, we know that the primary uh, person in that child's life is mom or dad, both together, whichever. And it's their responsibility. May they step up to the plate be who you want them to be to help their kids, to love them, to teach them what's right, what's wrong, and why we believe what we believe so that any goofy professor 
that comes alone and cusses them out and cusses God out and denies God won't ever affect them. They'll just realize they're stupid. Amen. And God, we, we just want our kids to be straight arrows so that they can have an effect and influence in this society. And I pray that you'd make that possible. In Christ's name, and everybody said? We hope you received a blessing from today's broadcast. We would love to have you visit with us in person. For more information, please visit our website at gpnd.net or contact us by phone at 317-535-3512. You can watch us live and view past services on our website, Facebook, or YouTube channel. Until next broadcast, may God richly bless you as our prayer.